It's Twitter Tuesday on today's Locked on Giants podcast. Your questions coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. Happy Tuesday. It is a Twitter Tuesday. And as always, I'm going to answer your questions here on the listener mailbag. We have questions that came in via Twitter. We have questions that came on came in via email and we will get to all of them so happy to have you with us as always and thank you for the great questions as always and of course thank you for making the locked on giants podcast your first listen of the day or if you're watching on youtube your first watch of the day so let's go ahead and jump right into your questions we've got about a dozen coming up so we're going to start off with the twitter questions and we'll kick it off with one from Ski Fam, who writes, as an armchair GM, I pick tape over combine numbers. Too many receivers who post crazy fast times but can't separate or set up their routes or O-line bench press warriors who can't pass off a rusher. Why does anybody look at the combine? Okay, great question there, Ski Fam. Great question to uh, start us off. Um, I forget who coined the phrase, but somebody once called the combine, the underwear Olympics. And I think why people look at the combine is not so much to make decisions based on the numbers, because you're right, sometimes people can uh, run faster on a turf um, than they can on grass and whatnot. But, um, you know, there are other drills that you can look at, like explosiveness, you can look at, you know, strength, um, you know, Coach Gene Clemens, when he was on the show a few weeks ago, made the comment that a guy who comes in and can bench a lot of, you know, bench press reps shows a commitment to the uh, to, to, to the weight room. So you can tell little things like that. And then, you know, if you see something in the results that maybe didn't show up on tape, then obviously you go back and you look at the tape. But at the end of the day, I think most NFL evaluators go and they look at the tape because that's what's going to tell you how good a player is or what a player does well and what he can't do well. So thanks for that question. All right, next question comes from James H. Could you see the Giants taking a quarterback on day two if someone drops to them? Or is the plan to ride with Jones and Taylor this season and draft a quarterback next year if Jones doesn't work out? All right, James, kind of two questions there, even though it's it's technically one. Um, I think you're you're asking me, you know, would the Giants take a del- developmental uh, quarterback, you know, on day two, which I don't think it's going to be day two. I mean, if they take a quarterback, I'm thinking day three is a more realistic time to do that. Um, if the plan were to ride it out with Jones and, and Tyrod Taylor and draft a quarterback next year, um, 
presumably if they have to draft a quarterback next year, that means they're moving on from Jones and they're going to be looking to draft one in the first round. So kind of two different questions slipped in there. I don't know if you meant to do that um, intentionally, but, you know, again, to answer your question about this year, I don't think it'll happen before day three, if it happens at all. And uh, that's going to depend on how many picks they actually end up with and, you know, whether or not they trade guys and whatnot. So thank you for that question. All right, Kevin McClave asks, one of the frustrating things about the Judge era was a lack of player development by virtually everyone. Even guys who played well in, in 2021 did so after injuries in 2020. Which players do you think will improve the most with the new staff? All right, Kevin, thank you for that question. Um, you're absolutely right, number one. Uh, part of the, the problem with this Giants team in, in recent years is the players haven't developed. And part of that's on coaching. I think part of that's on scheme. Um, I'd like to think that this new coaching staff selected by Brian Dable is going to be better at developing guys. Um, I haven't met them, obviously. Uh, I think we're going to actually get to meet the new coaching staff in April. I believe the Giants are going to have a mini camp, a voluntary mini camp. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be the week before the draft. And, uh, at that time, I would imagine we'll probably get to meet some of these assistant coaches, if not all of them. So I'd like to meet them to kind of get some ideas on their philosophies and how they go about teaching and whatnot. But to answer your question, Kevin, um, I would say everybody, I, look, I mean, the, this is a team that's coming off a four and 13 record which just isn't good enough. And and can you honestly sit there and say that any player played extremely well to be an all pro uh, or a pro bowler? The answer is no. And that includes, you know, Andrew Thomas, who came up, came on and had a solid year and Xavier McKinney and uh, Aziz Ojulari, who got better as the year went on. So I would say, you know, all of them stand to, to improve, you know, uh, um, Again, I'd like to find out. I'd like to talk to some of these coaches and find out more about them and, you know, get some insight. That's going to tell us a lot about, you know, what they think about certain players, what they want to attack and so on and so forth. So save that question. I know that's kind of an incomplete answer there, Kevin, but save that question for when the minicamp does happen. And again, nothing's been announced, but I'm just going off of past history when the Giants have had a new coaching staff, they usually do a mini camp like right around, right before the draft is usually when they do it or when they have done it in the past. So that's what I'm thinking they're going to do it. And, you know, at that point, we'll probably get to meet the, the new coaching staff and I'll be able to get you some more information on that. All right. Um, next question comes from one fishy scientist. Do you see the Giants drafting a running back? And if so, how high and what style of back? Um, yes, I do think the Giants will draft the running back. Um, I don't think they will draft one before day three. So if I had to take a guess, I would say probably fifth, sixth round, maybe somewhere in there. As for what style, um, hmm trying to think Saquon is more of a outside runner I believe Brita is more of a between the tackle runner 
I'd like to see them draft a running back that can do both, run inside the tackles and outside the tackles. Um, you know, I, I realize, you know, running backs like receivers, they come in different shapes and sizes, but I'd like to see somebody who could do both equally well and not just come in and just be like a, a special teams designation, if you will. So, uh, so yeah, day three, I'm, I'm guessing like five or six and, um, somebody who could do inside and outside running. That's what I would like to see at any rate. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast, Twitter Tuesday edition. But first, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. That's right. Right now, we've got March Madness. We're winding that down, and uh, it's getting real exciting if you've, you have been following along the tournament. Uh, BetOnline is your best place for all your sports scores, podcasts, news, regardless of the sport, whether you're into March Madness, pro hoops, hockey, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas games. So head on over to the website today, betonline.net, and learn more about the trend. All right, Giant fans, you have Patricia Trainer here on the Lachlan Giants podcast. We are doing a Twitter Tuesday. And real quick, we have some guests coming up on the show this week, including Coach G. Clemens is going to be with me this week. And I'm also scheduled to speak with Rick Saratella of NFL Draft Bible as we start to turn our attention full time uh, to the NFL Draft. And I'm also trying to line up some uh some draft you know some locked on college hosts so i'm working on that for you and um you know so really excited about uh some of the people we have coming up and some of the programs we have coming up hope you will keep tuning in to the locked on giants podcast all right let's get back to your questions on this twitter tuesday giants brazil asks what do you think of the tight end class this year hmm you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I've done minimal work on the tight ends. I'm just now turning to the tight ends. The tight ends is a class I haven't done a whole lot on. I'm, I'm getting to that you know, because I've been doing a lot of stuff on offensive line. I've done some work you know, on receivers. Uh, I've looked at defense, cornerbacks, safety, linebackers, defensive linemen, um, running backs, and tight ends. I haven't really gotten in too deep to where I can sit here and say I'm fluid in talking about that. Um, so I would say, you know, look, people have told me that the tight end class is not a strong one. And I say, okay, well, what do you mean by that when you say not a strong one? And they're saying, well, there's no Kyle Pitts in this class. Well, you know what? There's not going to be a Kyle Pitts in every tight end class. That's just asking a lot. But there is some good quality um, talent, I think, in day two, day three that can be had. Um, who those guys are, again, I haven't gotten that far. But uh, I know Nick Filato over at Giants Country has, has mentioned a few guys that we have done uh, scouting profiles on uh, in the tight end class. And I think I've got a couple more that he he's recently turned in that I'm going to post. So you know what? Say that question, re revisit that with me in like a couple, you know, like next week or a couple weeks down the line, I'll be able to give you a better answer because then I should have all my tight end stuff done. So uh, sorry about that. 
All right. Um, next question comes from, okay, now we're going to the email questions. Sean K. Sean K writes, some seem to think to trade in Saquon Barkley, even if it's for a day three pick, is the best course of action. I understand we're cap strapped, but I'm starting to think there's value in keeping Barkley at, until at least the trade deadline for a few reasons. Uh, trade value is lowest in his career. Healthy Barkley with a better offensive line will help Daniel Jones. Okay, um, Sean, regarding um, helping Daniel Jones, I spoke about this yesterday, if you missed that show, but I said at this point, Daniel's got to help Daniel. Um, he's got to make faster reads, better decisions. Yes, having, you know, quality weapons and a good offensive line is going to help him. But at the end of the day, if Daniel's forcing balls into tight windows that don't exist, that's on him. So I don't necessarily agree with, you know, the concept that Saquon's going to fully help Daniel distinguish himself. Um, you, you say, you know, then you say his trade value is probably the lowest at, at this point in his career. And you're saying, you know, keep him at least until the trade deadline. I could see the logic for that. You know, I've made cases that you can trade Barkley or you can keep him. What you can't do is you can't extend, I mean, not extend him, you can't restructure his contract unless you're going to extend him. That 7.2 million cap hit is locked in, all right? It is, it, you know, it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but for a cap-strapped team, it's kind of a heavy amount to carry. Um, like I've said before, I can make a case for trading Morgley. I can certainly make a case for keeping him. And, you know, Joe Shane was asked about that at the NFL League meetings on Monday, said that they are not actively looking to trade Barkley. So would, if they keep him, would I be upset? No, I wouldn't. I have nothing against the guy. I think he's a dynamic player. And I'd like to see what he could do. You know, can he get back to where he was now that he'll be two years removed from that ACL surgery. So we'll see how that works out for them. Um, and uh, just keep our fingers crossed, you know, because either way, I, I, you know, yes, it would be nice if they could somehow get the $7.2 million in, in cap space. But like I said in another show, I think Shane's going to clear cap space as he needs it. It's not going to be a matter of, oh, I've got to have you know, $7.2 million of cap space before we get to training camp. No, you, cl you clear it as you need it. So uh, that's what I see happening there. Now, Sean, you also asked me a, a question that I'm not including in this show because I'm actually going to do a show. You, you, you asked about uh, who would you rather, which I did last year around draft time. And you, you gave me some scenarios and, you know, who would you rather pick, you know, player A, player B. So just a heads up there, Sean, I am going to do a show on that down the line. So I'm not including the question in this one, but that's coming up. I hope you'll tune in and keep an eye on that. Okay. Um, Andrew G writes, what is your ideal draft scenario with no trades of Neil, Iquanu, Thibodeau, Hutchinson off the board? Uh, all right, so if all those guys are off the board, you know what? 
I would see if there's a, okay, you said no trade. I was going to say uh, no trades. I would say maybe Charles Cross there. Would I take a gamble there? Maybe. Um, would I consider Kyle Hamilton at that spot? I can make a case for him. Um, if he is the best player in the draft and given, you know, the, the fact that the Giants probably are going to need some safety help. Um, so I think if you had to pin me down there, Andrew, I would say I would probably go um, Kyle Hamilton at five. And if I'm not making any trades and Charles Cross is on the board at seven, I would do Charles Cross at seven. So that would be my ideal um, scenario. All right. Next question comes from Michael B, who has to, who wants to know about workout bonuses. Last year, a lot of players skipped OTAs. Is the workout bonus paid to those who attend every workout from OTAs and beyond? Okay, Michael. The way workout bonuses are paid is that if a player attends a certain uh, percentage of workouts, um, starting with the phase one of the off-season program he will be eligible for his workout bonus and he will get that before uh, training camp. So in the past, I think the Giants percentage was 90%. I don't know what it's going to be now with the current regime. I don't even know if 90% is the, is the league-wide standard. I think it varies according to team. But uh, I, I do know in the past, I remember it being like around 90%. So if a player meets that that criteria is there for 90 percent of the scheduled workouts and not just otas but you know again phase one phase two and all that stuff um, then he becomes eligible for the workout bonus as i understand it so thank you for that question all right we've got a few more coming up here on the locked on giants podcast stick around all right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Twitter Tuesday edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. But first, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, there's only one place to find what you need quickly for your car or truck, and that's at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business with over 20 years of offering competitive pricing on thousands of parts for every make, model, and manufacturer. Check out their website and don't forget to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Rockauto.com has an amazing selection with low prices and they ship right to your door. So visit them today. Tell them Locked On sent you and... Check them out, Rock Auto, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, Giant fans, you got Patricia Trainer here on a Twitter Tuesday here on the Lothan Giants podcast. And again, don't forget to tune in this the rest of this week. We're going to have uh, Coach Gene Clemens. We're going to have Rick Saratella scheduled. And um, hopefully I'll be able to start with some of the col- the specific college um reviews of the draft prospects, reaching out to those college hosts to see who I can get for you. And I know some of you have um, sent in requests for specific schools. So working on all that, doing the best I can for you guys, as always. So, um, all right, let's get to these last few questions from you guys and gals. This one, this person didn't didn't um, just put their email address. They didn't put their name. So I don't know who this is from. Um but uh, they wanted to know who on the current Giants roster is penciled in to cover left tackle if in the absence of uh, Andrew Thomas 
or if there's a digression in his performance. Okay, so who's the backup left tackle? Okay, the swing tackle right now, if I had to take a guess, it's probably going to be Corey Cunningham. Because, you know, he was on the team last year. I think he, he was the swing tackle last year. I don't know if Mac Ono can play left and right tackle. I think he's just a right tackle, but I'd have to go back and check. So I'm going to say Corey Cunningham right now is the guy who's penciled in. Will that change? I expect it to. Um, there's going to be a competition, but I think that's the guy um, that you're looking for the name as of right now. So thanks for that question. Scott S. asks, I've heard several times that Logan Ryan may have been cut because he was not a good fit for Wink's system. As a safety, in what areas does he excel and where does he fall short in what is required of Martindale's defense? All right. Great question, Scott. Thank you for that. Um, the biggest thing with Logan Ryan, based on the research I was able to gather, is that he is not much of a blitzer slash pass rusher. Wink Martindale likes to send pressure from the backfield. Um, corner blitzes, safety blitzes, that is not something that Logan Ryan has done a lot of in his career. I think he's, according to Pro Football Focus, I think he's done it like about 268 times. And of those, he's only gotten home about 60 so not really a strength. Um, as far as his, you know, what, where does he excel? Well, he's a smart player, um, takes fairly good angles. He's cleaned up some of the grabbiness that he had coming out of college. But um, yeah, I, I think if you're thinking about a deep, you know, he, he's really good at the robber position. Uh, by the way, that robber position that he played a lot of for Patrick Graham last year. But uh, as a deep, deep center fielder, uh, I, I, I think McKinney is probably a better fit for that. Um, you know, here's the thing. A lot of times when a player switches from cornerback to safety, it's because there's been um, a drop off in the speed and the quickness. So that could be part of the reason too. But I think the biggest thing, if I if I had to guess, and you know, I'm still kind of learning what Wink Martindale likes to do. I would say it's probably the pass rush element of it. You, you're going to see probably a lot of cornerback blitzes, safety blitzes, and that sort of thing. So that would be my my guess right now, based on what I know. All right, next question comes from Jaden, um, who writes. I was looking at the four-round mock draft that NFL draft analyst Chad Reuter posted. He had the Giants taking Trey McBride in the third round with the 67th overall. Do you think McBride will fall down to the third round, especially considering he won the John Mackey Awards for the nation's best tight end? And which tight end do you see the Giants realistically drafting? Jaden, um, as I said earlier, I haven't finished quite quite finished doing work on tight ends. So I don't have a conviction right now as to who I think the Giants will draft. Um, will McBride fall down to the third round? I, I, 
yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, if there's a run on, um, you know, offensive tackles or defensive linemen or, or edge rushers or receivers, sure, it could, it, it could happen. I mean, don't you can't rule anything out in this draft, to be honest with you. But save the question on the tight end and who I think the Giants are going to go with. Um, let me finish doing some work on that, and then I'll, I'll hopefully have a conviction for you, and I'll be able to answer that question in a couple weeks. So feel free to su submit that to me again. And uh, I, I promise you by then I should have all my, my work done on, on the prospects. Kind of been focusing on offensive line and defensive line and certain other positions. And uh, even though I know the Giants need tight end help, I've kind of left that one for last. So I don't know, just, just how it's kind of worked out. So, all right, final question that we have here comes from Pete M. How much, by how much would Tyrod Taylor have to outplay Jones in training camp to legitimately win the starting job and what do you think the likelihood of that is happening all right uh pete if all things are considered equal i don't think tyrod taylor is going to beat out daniel jones um if daniel's healthy i think he's going to be the starter now what would tyrod taylor have to do to outplay him um that's, I would say he would probably have to have better numbers and better production playing with the first team offense. You know, the the thing going into training camp and the preseason is that you can pretty much assume that Daniel's going to get a lot of work, if he's healthy, that is, uh, with the first team offense. And Tyrod Taylor is going to get some work maybe with the first team offense, but probably more with the second team and third team. So you can't really compare the stats, in my opinion. Um, I think if Daniel absolutely wets the bed in that he, you know, he has no idea what he's looking at. He doesn't grasp the offense. He, he makes stupid throws. He continues to be reckless. Then I could see maybe Tyrod Taylor overtaking him, but I don't think the odds are very high of that happening, if I'm being honest with you. I'd be surprised if Daniel Jones is not the starting quarterback opening day, um, again, it would have to take a, you know, his injury is not healed up or he suffers another one or he just absolutely wets the bed when it comes to, you know, learning this, this offense. I don't see any of those scenarios happening right now. So, uh, yeah, Tyrod Taylor, I think he's, he's going to be, you know, waiting in the wings if something should happen. Um, but let's hope that Daniel Jones balls out because then we don't have to worry about a quarterback anymore. So, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for the questions. They were fantastic as usual. And I uh, hope you enjoyed Twitter Tuesday. And for those of you who sent questions in and I wasn't quite able to answer with the tight end stuff, send those questions back to me in a couple of weeks and, and we'll get to it. Um, and uh, again, Sean, um, you had asked about the, what would you do? Uh, actually, you know what? Keep an eye, those of you who are, um, on YouTube, keep an eye out on the message board, the community board. And I'll ask you guys when I'm ready for the, um, you know, what would you do scenarios? We'll do a show on that. That should be a lot of fun if we'll do that. And, uh, also I'll put a note on Twitter 
and you can give me your scenarios and I'll tell you what would I do with those scenarios. We'll build a whole show about it. So that should be a lot of fun. All right. Thank you so much for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Again, be sure to tune in tomorrow. Coach Gene Clemens will be on. Uh, later this week, Rick Saratella of NFL Draft Bible is scheduled to be on. So lots still to come here as we get you ready for the month of April and these last few days before the NFL Draft. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you tomorrow.